The Power Connect Podcast is brought to you by InnoWatts. Discover the InnoWatts difference today. Saluna is really on a mission, and I think we're extremely passionate about this mission. And that mission is to make renewable energy a global superpower. And we want to have computing be the catalyzer for that. We want to have computing accelerate the amount and percentage of renewables that are on the grid on a global basis such that it advances to the point where it's the dominant source of power. And we've been trying to do that for a while. Welcome into the Power Connect Podcast. I'm your host, Fred Davis, episode 48 of the program, rolling along. Happy November, everybody. What's the, uh, I'm not sure what exactly we're going to do this month. I mean, there's been all kinds of uh, suggestions thrown around. Uh, No Shave November being one of them. I think that's kind of the, uh, you know, what helped lead to the beard phenomenon that we're all seeing uh, in folks these days. So whatever it is that you're into in November, glad to have you on board. Look, we got Thanksgiving. That's my favorite part of uh, November anyway. So hopefully you guys have had a great year so far. We keep telling you, look, we're barreling towards the finish of 2020. And of course, we've got content lock, stock, and barrel over here at the Power Connect Podcast. And we've had some absolutely fantastic guests in the last few weeks. And we are not slowing down as we look to cross the finish line in 2022 as well. Shout out to our podcast partner, InnoWatts. We've got a great webinar coming up that we're going to tell you about here in just a second. We're going to get to, on the other side of this absolutely incredible interview with John Belazare, CEO of Saluna, what they're doing in the data center space, look, it's very clear what they're all about. Sell every megawatt. Sell all the renewable energy that your power plant generates. What do they mean by that? Well, stick around. John Belazare is going to tell you exactly that, plus a little bit about his background as far as how he got into energy. He's been in finance. He's been in insurance. This guy, I'll tell you what, not for the faint of heart, the industries that my man John Belazare has gotten into and has dominated at a high level in all three of these very complex industries. But before we get to one, Mr. John Belazar. I already mentioned my podcast partner, InnoWatts. Short-term, long-term forecasting. What is in your forecast? As temps drop with winter lurking, retail energy providers and utilities nationwide are dealing with global instability and election outcomes affecting power markets, making forecasting accuracy paramount. So what resources are available? Join InnoWatts and Rhythm Energy on Thursday, November 10th at 1 p.m. Eastern for a must-see webinar event. Finding a rhythm, forecasting, and innovating in the renewable age. As Innowatts' own Chief Innovation Officer Krishnan Kasivi Swanathan and Rhythm's Head of Portfolio Ruzbe Amirazodi discuss how to gain an edge this winter, the impact of renewables, customer activism, and why innovation is vital to survival in the retail, energy, and utility space. The 45-minute webinar will be interactive as they'll field questions from the audience, so come ready to listen, engage, and learn from two veterans of the retail space. Go to Innowatts.com for more information. You can sign up on the pop-up and or follow the InnoWatch LinkedIn page and you can sign up for the webinar there. We'll see you November 10th. All right, let's get right down to today's episode. John Belazare, CEO of Saluna. He also writes the blog CEO Playbook, talking about his 25 years in the business as a CEO and what he's learned and what he continues to learn and what he imparts to fellow executives, no matter what space you're in. So a great follow there. Uh, But as far as what we get into today, look, we cover the gamut. Again, obviously, how did he get into the energy space? And of course, what is Saluna trying to do? And how do they see computing as a way to help fill the energy gap, not just here in America, but across the globe. Uh, He also gets into a little bit about what it's taken personally and professionally to him to persevere and succeed and dominate in three very complex industries, that being 
finance, insurance, and of course now the energy space. What's next uh, in the energy space for him and kind of what are some of the phone calls they're fielding now that this data center process that they're using is really starting to generate, no pun intended, a lot of buzz nationally and what they're able to do in this space with this unused energy. And then of course, finally, what are CEOs doing right? What are they doing wrong? And how can it be fixed? Again, you guys know how we do here on the Power Connect. We love our conversations. We love to learn about what people are doing in business and how they're advancing professionally. And I promise you, you are going to take away something from both from Mr. John Belazare. So without further ado, please welcome to the program, CEO of Saluna, Mr. John Belazare. Now, how I got into uh, energy, which I've been in for uh, just about five years now, was uh, there was an investor and mentor of mine uh, who had been involved in just about all of my companies. And most recently, he was on the board of my, my insurance business, and he was an investor. He had his uh, he runs a family office and has a PE firm, and they owned a energy development company that was focused on uh, Northern Africa, building wind, solar, and hydro uh, projects. Okay. And they had this one big wind project that had this problem. It could produce lots of energy. It could produce it in an incredibly highly productive way. For our wind technology listeners, that site could generate a 70 percent capacity factor. So if you put a 10 megawatt turbine on the site, it'll, you know, on an annualized basis, it'll generate seven megawatts. Whereas if you put it in Texas, it'll generate 40 megawatts. I mean, four megawatts rather. So 70% is huge. You know, this is the Harmattan wind in uh, Africa, the Sahara area. That's where the site was. Uh, the only problem was there wasn't there wasn't a grid to be seen. I was going to say, what are they connecting to with that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, 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 nothing. There was nothing. And that's the problem. You've got this development opportunity. It was part of a big wave that the country had to expand their electrical infrastructure and become go from becoming an energy importer to becoming an energy exporter. And they wanted to have over 50% of their energy come from green sources. And they have a lot of it. They have solar, wind, and hydro in a very which way in Morocco. Yeah. You know, if you haven't been there, it's actually- now The MENA region's blowing up as far as uh, yeah, uh, renewable energy goes. Absolutely, absolutely. And if there was a pipe between, you know, the African continent and Europe right now, they'd probably be able to build them out of their situation because <laughs> there's so much resources. So- our challenge was how do you monetize that energy until the grid made its way down? Because they did make a decision to expand the grid. And the idea that the general partner had, this gentleman that asked me to come over, was, you know, what if we built data center, put load in a vertically integrated way at the, the point of generation in an off-grid fashion until you can get it connected to the grid. And uh, Bitcoin mining at the time was a great energy user and and Instantly, you know, blockchain and renewables, which is how he pitched it to me, was the the opportunity. It's a technology company now, not just an energy company. You you're the guy I I, I need to run this, John. And I I went to his office and totally expecting to say, I have no idea. I don't know anything about energy, <laughs> which I did did not. And um, but I would love to learn a lot more about this blockchain thing. And after several months of just going into the rabbit hole, learning about, you know, all this energy stuff, going out there and just seeing how different the energy space was on the on the African continent. As we all know, you know, there's, there's really energy poverty for, you know, for billions of people on the continent. So figuring out how to crack the code to build more sustainable energy sources was just really enticing for me. So again, it was this big blockchain technology wave coming to a legacy industry, the energy space. 
very attractive to me. And here I am today, you know, uh, running Saluna. We've evolved the business where we've taken this initial idea of building the power plant and the computing facility to really focusing on the computing side and using the computing almost as a battery to go solve wasted energy and curtailment problems for power plant developers and owners uh, around the world as a way to help the grid increase the amount of renewables it can integrate to to the grid. So that's uh, that's who John Belazer is. I've always been an entrepreneur. I've, I've always loved being at the helm of a company and building teams and and solving hard problems. Cracking the code is really exciting to me. And uh, I, I see myself as a, a lifelong learner. I'm not a, a master. I haven't mastered CEO. I am in the process constantly of mastering it 1% per day at a time. And the challenges that I experience in, in, in all of the companies that I've run is what you know, builds the muscle that I, I believe I will need uh, to do that. And my ultimate goal is, you know, when I'm, I, I guess, too, too, too old to, to, to lift weights, then I'll just start teaching people how to do it. <laughs> You're <laughs> never become, too old you know. to lift weights, John. I, I, I saw your Twitter, my man. And as somebody who, you know, got his pole on this morning, I, I, I respect yeah, that. Right, I'm 41. Good, so good. look, hey, look, you know, my I'm grandpa's, with you. I'm with you. I'm my grandpa's 93 years old. Until I'm 90. Yeah. Well, look, my yes. grandpa's 93 years old, still runs five days a week. And, wow. and swears See, up and down, and he showed me how to lift weights. That's what I'm talking about. And that's exactly, he said, look, yeah. I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for my, uh, uh, you know, desire yeah. to, to work out. Hey, look at our boy Arnold Schwarzenegger, still getting it done. Exactly. My cardiologist says, John, you the way you look and the way you are right now is because you've been working out, obviously. Do not, never stop doing that, and you'll be fine, you know? it's it's, it's uh, and, and that high is free, by the way. That high is free. It is. It, <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It is. You've conquered and or, you know, like, well, to borrow your term, you know, you're, you're, you're practicing that mastery. But let's put it this way. You've done it in three very unrelenting industries, finance, insurance yeah. and energy. Right. Where, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it ain't they, they mm -hmm. don't just open a You know, they don't welcome everybody with open arms. But what's been that yeah. one core belief system and or talent or characteristic that you've maintained? Not necessarily the technology side, because that's obviously what you've been what you brought to the table. But what have you brought? individually that's kept you going when 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 cat said sorry john th th this ain't for you i think it's 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 a if i had to choose one it is my innate ability to persuade i i feel that i i have a you know my superpower is my ability to learn very fast um uh form a conviction about what the future will look like and then be persistent about persuading people to believe in my vision and eventually get them to believe that this will be a thing. So five years ago, uh, I started talking about the fact that this concept of Bitcoin and computing and computing in general being this, this insatiable uh, fabric for energy that is not today very sustainable. But if you combine it with the development of energy projects, could catalyze the entire industry. And you know what people said? <laughs> You're out of your mind, John. Like, you really going to work on that? You're a software guy. Like, what do you know about that? You don't know anything about that. You, you know, that that's not going to be a thing. Like, these guys, they they have a very specific box they live in, and that's how it's going it, it, to, it's going to, you know, play out. And there's just no way you're going to convince them. I'm five years in, and now I get 60% inbound call. 60% of our, 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 our pipeline, we have over two gigawatts of projects, come from power partners saying, 
what you're doing is absolutely brilliant. How do we get in? Like, we need this. We need this right away. We need to understand specifically how you do it and just to make sure you've got your act together. But this is definitely a thing. I was at a New York conference uh, just this past week and a $8 billion PE fund was presenting that focuses on, on, on the energy space was presenting three major opportunities, you know, in terms of investment and what's, what's happening in, in the industry. And the big headline was the industry is, is changing really fast. Green hydrogen is an opportunity. Computing behind the meter, you know, this Bitcoin, you know, stuff is, 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 is an opportunity. Uh, I mean, the IRA, I mean, it, it was just fascinating from, <laughs> this is never going to be a thing. Like, this is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my... Uh, Insurance, it was like un underwriting, you can't replace a human's gut with data and analytics and machine, uh, uh, you know, enhancement of the underwriter's capability. Now it's like, if you don't have that, <laughs> you're not really in the insurance business. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, everybody's doing that, you know? And I think that's because um, I've developed the ability to explain very complicated things to people in a simple way that gets them to see the potential that they could have to build a better business, create a new world. Um, I appeal to, to, to people. That's, I think, what I do well. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what Salona is and what makes y'all different from other data center companies that are out there, you know, with, especially since everybody's on this Bitcoin craze right now. So what, who are we? What, what, what are we about? And I think it's really important to look at a company like a person. Like, what, what's their personality? What are they really fundamentally trying to do? Why do they exist? And Saluna is really on a mission. And I think we're extremely passionate about this mission. And that mission is to make renewable energy a global superpower. And we want to have computing be the catalyzer for that. We want to have computing accelerate the amount and percentage of renewables that are on the grid on a global basis, such that it advances to the point where it's the dominant source of power. And we've been trying to do that for a while. And there are a lot of interesting waves that are underway that are helping make that happen. One is that, you know, rights law, this whole concept of as you, as you do things more, you learn and then you can improve and reduce the cost of it. Well, solar has become incredibly inexpensive. Wind has become incredibly inexpensive. Batteries are starting to come down. So that's all um, making the sheer volume of amount of capital that's coming into the space it's making it much easier for them to deploy that capital to build larger and scaled power plants that are either wind, solar, or hydro. All around the, this country and many parts of the world, it's pretty clear that since the pandemic, we're all in the back of a Tesla moving at high speed toward a renewable energy future. The problem is there's this little unspoken secret, and that is the fact that because there's so much of this investment, right, all of this rise of investment in the space, a very large portion, upwards of 30 to 40 percent of that green energy, those green electrons, never actually makes it to the grid, just gets wasted into thin air. And the reason is because the grid was designed to be a synchronous system where you synchronize the production of energy with the use of energy, right? The demand for it. And you can design it, control it as a grid operator, right? You've got knobs where you can turn it up and turn it down because you totally control the dispatchability of those power plants. But once you start replacing those coal plants with renewable energy sources that are fundamentally dispatched by 
mother nature, <laughs> you can't really control <laughs> anything, you know, how much it's producing, you know, the wind blows when it wants to blow. And sometimes it blows fast and sometimes it doesn't. And so as a result, it's very hard to manage that synchrony between production and consumption. And so you'll have lots of extra energy sometimes, and sometimes you won't have enough energy. So how do you solve that problem? There are really two primary ways, right? When you look at legacy industries, people default to what is known to be the only solution to certain problems or, known, or accepted solutions within the space. In renewable energy, the solution to the wasted energy problem today is batteries. So put a battery back there, store the energy, and then when uh, more of it is needed, you can redeploy it to, uh, to, to the network. The problem with batteries is they, they aren't... They, the, the duration with which you can store that energy, the cost with which you can build that facility, the battery is a business, so it's got it's to store and discharge almost every day for it to really be a profitable enterprise. And there's lots of environmental and safety issues with batteries, unfortunately, right now. Now, eventually that will change, right? Technology continues to evolve, but it's just not there yet. The other solution is transmission. If wind is blowing really heavy, you know, at, in the evening in Oklahoma, why don't we just put it on these high-speed power lines and send it to Atlanta where people are having like a post-COVID party right now? Uh, well, it's not that easy to build power lines. You know, that's one of the biggest challenges, standing up transmission. Why? Because uh, they're very multi-regional projects that you have to stand up. You've got to convince somebody to, to put all of this huge infrastructure on their land and convince them it's safe and convince them that they should allow you to do that when they don't actually benefit from the energy. That energy is going to some far-reaching place. And so it, it can take years and be a real challenge. So as a result, you have lots of congestion on lines because there are just not enough of them. And so what are you left with? You're left with not much. But what we learned through a lot and a lot of pain and trying to create this whole venture in Morocco was that computing actually is a great solution. It's a solution that's ready now. It's infinitely scalable. We all carry phones. Fred, do you have a smartphone? If you show me a flip phone, <laughs> I'm going to call your daddy and be like, all right, my so, burner phone, John. <laughs> I don't show me your burner phone. So we all carry those smartphones. And yes, we've got, you know, depending on how much money you got, you got bigger storage or less storage on your phone, but there's storage on there. But the truth is, it's not really on the phone anymore. That stuff is going into a cloud somewhere. And then there's massive computers that are processing the information that you're collecting on your phone. And I'm talking about lots of, there's, there's data that you're collecting you don't even know. And it's being processed to enhance your experience on the phone, enhance your experience on the web. And all of that computing is a very specialized set of computing that you can actually put to sleep. You know, it wakes up, does the processing, looks at your data, does some work, and then goes to sleep. So if you can take those types of processes, AI, machine learning, digital research, uh, crypto security, where the machine wakes up and tries to, to solve a problem to stamp a blockchain with information to protect it. If you took those, those computing applications, put them in a specially designed data center, that is designed not to be up 24-7. See, data centers are built to be up 24-7, so they gotta, they need that legacy energy. To some extent, they, they subsidize it. So what if you flipped the switch and designed a solution that can be placed right at the power plant, is uh, infinitely scalable, so it's, it, you can build it like Lego blocks, right? It's a flexible data center. It can, it can ramp up and ramp down very quickly. It doesn't use any water to cool it. It just uses air, so... It just uses physics to cool the building. 
you can put really, really high density, high capacity uh, uh, computers in there to solve lots of complicated problems. And when that wasted energy becomes available, this data center sucks that power in and converts it into this computing fabric that can be used to solve lots of interesting problems. Well, what we're doing at Saluna is we're taking this really big problem that I just talked about in renewables, right? Most of that power doesn't make it to the grid. And bringing a scalable solution, a computer, essentially a data center, flexible data center, that can act like a battery, but better because it takes the power, instantly converts it into a, a different form that is available on a global basis and monetizes that power. So the power plant now monetizes its energy, unlocks its production tax credits, and turns from red to green. That's what our business is all about. Now, why does that business create more renewable energy in the world? That's the second part. See, the reason <laughs> it creates more... question. Exactly. Why, why is that going to create more energy in the world, John? Well, here's why. Because the, re, the way for the grid to become more green is to allow more and more of these power plants to be built to replace these legacy fuels. And because it lacks this rubber band-like capability as a grid, right, where the grid can ramp down demand or increase demand when the power is really over the amount of demand that's available, our data center can act as a new resource to the grid where the grid can actually push a button and say, hey, John, ramp that data center up because I don't need all of this energy. Or, hey, John, it's really hot right now. People are running a lot of their, their, their ACs. We need more of that, that wind power. Ramp your facility down. So our ability to ramp up and down actually act, acts like a, a flexible fabric for the grid, allowing it to add more and more renewable over time. In fact, there's a professor at the University of Chicago called Dr. Andrew Chen. We didn't know this until we started uh, working on it and researching and so forth. He actually went to a number of different ISOs and grids and studied this whole phenomenon of wasted energy and what could be done about it. And the fact that computing is becoming much cheaper so you can build computing and place it in more interesting places. And what he found was that um, if you build these big Google size or Facebook size facilities and just attach um, renewable energy plants to them, it doesn't solve the problem, actually. It makes it worse because that facility still has to be up 24-7, right? So it's going to draw energy. But if you put strategically a flexible, he calls them dispatchable data centers, where the grid turns us on and off, right? It's data centers near the right resources, the right intermittent resources, you actually increase the amount of energy that actually gets used by the grid gets penetrated. It's kind of counterintuitive, but he's actually modeled it and proven it to be true. So our goal is to build these facilities all over the world where this is a problem to allow more investment to be made into these um, regions that desperately need sustainable energy, like the African continent, for example. You can go to some of these countries that have great solar, great wind, but they don't really have a way to stage in that power and let it develop over time. So we're essentially creating a new novel way to uh, deal with a really big problem in the renewable energy space. So I'm going to be ignorant here for a second. So when you talk about that wasted energy goes to the data center or y'all's y'all's uh, mm -hmm. data center, how does it transmit then, I guess, is what I'm trying to wrap my brain around. So the, the wasted energy, uh, the data center is built at the power plant. So there's a, the power plant has a substation, a facility that takes the electrons and sends them up to the grid. 
we connect into that same facility. So now we're, we're, we're at the same location. So when the power plant starts producing its energy, part of that energy will go to the grid and part of it will go to our power plant. And when, when the grid tells it, hey, you're a 100 megawatt wind farm, we only need 50 megawatts of that. 50 megawatts would have been wasted at that point. But instead, they're going to produce, still produce 100, but we're going to pull that 50 megawatts off and use it in our facility. Our facility is connected to the internet, et cetera, and then we, we perform that computing, and people can use that computing facility. How does somebody like a John Belazare bring more attention to the lack of diversity in energy? And again, not because it has to be adversarial, you know, accusatorial, but just make it to where, look, this is what can be done. It Make it more accommodating and so that we get more John Belazares who are solving these world's problems because I promise you, there. I know there's kids in Third Ward. I know there's kids in, you know, ATL that, you know, maybe they never thought of the idea of going in the energy space and have tremendous ideas yeah. because what they've seen or, or didn't even think about. Yeah. No, you're right. And uh, people of color, uh, when we talk about business and enterprise, there's this, there's this phrase called the only, <laughs> you know, when you walk into a room, you're like, you're like the only brown person or, you know, person of color in the room. And I've been living that for a very long time now, just about every uh, industry that I've been in, I've been one of the few professionals who have entered the space and uh, have built enterprises and so forth. By the time I leave and go on to other places, I find that that trail, that example does attract uh, more people. And I think that's the key is that the more you know, smart and talented professionals uh, get attracted to an industry, the first thing they do is look for examples of themselves, right, that have been successful in the space, and they look to them as mentors, you know. So I get called, uh, you know, I'm not in the insurance industry anymore, Fred, but they keep pulling me back in. <laughs> I get, I get, uh, <laughs> I thought I was out, but uh, they, they, they keep dragging me back in because they're like, how did you do that? You know, I, you know, because they start to look at, is there anybody who's ever done this? And then they see, they're like, wow, he looks like me. And they call and say, tell me everything you've learned. And I'm like, I'm, and first of all, I thank them for calling me uh, because I want to help them uh, avoid uh, mistakes that are not original. I, I like to say it's okay to make mistakes as long as they're original, you know? And so, so every time I go to an industry, I try to find folks and really uh, offer myself up as a, a mentor, a, a, a modern elder that can help them to see what, pain you have to go through to be successful in, in the space that I'm in. And, and every every industry has that. Um, I also go back into universities, as I've alluded to, to give people a picture of, of my experience. Um, I, I write about my role as a CEO on a blog, and I, I try to share that with a host of different audiences just to give people uh, the hope that if they go after uh, this and if they're tenacious enough and passionate enough and and have the drive, they can pretty much be successful in any industry as long as they don't hold themselves back. And now, look, there's 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 bias. There's all sorts of challenges with um, industries that are, are are mostly homogenous that are are, are quickly becoming uh, very diverse. Uh, those are challenges that everyone has to deal with. Right, we're all people at the end of the day. But if if you have some advice from someone who's lived through some of those, has the scars you have a higher chance of being successful. And if I'm not mistaken, that's what CEO playbook that you, uh, that, that's your blog. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The CEO playbook is a, is a passion project of mine. I, 
I really use it to process my learnings um, at, at, as a result of every uh, venture that I've, I've done. Um, I, I write a uh, insight uh, style article that really draws from my own experience. There's usually a funny story in there. And then I tell you, okay, here's what I learned from that. <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I'm putting it out there <clears throat> because I want uh, just about every professional to learn from that. Being CEO is not easy. It's actually a very lonely uh, job, actually. And uh, there's lots of uh, insights to be gained. And I think the one insight is that um, all of the challenges really start with you. You know, the more you can, you know, uh, conquer your own your, yourself, you know, like, the, the, you know, conquering the mountain is, is, is not the challenge. You you are the challenge. You know, you're the one that has to actually be, be conquered. And, um, and it, it comes from creating a set of habits that really help you to process learning, um, understand more about what the, what the role is about. And so I write that and I try to write it from, from the perspective of who I am, what I look like and my own experience and also uh, make it broad enough such that anybody can benefit from it. In your 25 years of being a chief executive officer and obviously being a, a, you know, student of the craft, what do CEOs, what the successful CEOs that you've seen, what do they get right? And then what do you see CEOs, what challenges and or mistakes do you see them constantly making? That if you could just reach out and touch them and say, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do that a lot. So um, the first thing that uh, uh, successful CEOs get right is they focus more on discipline, developing the discipline that you need to build high-performing teams. It means doing sort of really boring, monotonous things, but pretty much the same way all the time. And I can tell you that's really difficult for a lot of people, especially innovators who want to sort of be in the action and always moving on to the next thing, the next shiny object. No, you don't want the next shiny object. You want one focus. What's Saluna about? We want to uh, drive the uh, growth of renewables on the grid using computing. And we want to become really, really, really good at that because that, that is hard to do. And so the more you can make that hard thing seem incredibly easy, uh, the more value you've created. And the only way to do that is to, is, is to drive discipline in the organization. Focus, focus, focus. This is how we communicate. This is how we solve problems. This is how we make decisions. Uh, this is how we learn. This is how we attract people. This is how we build culture and lay those those uh, principles down and those processes down and just keep uh, beating the drum around those things. And that's what a, a CEO really does well, right? They're able to uh, set direction, uh, build, you know, fascinating and, and fantastic teams that are driven around a, a, a central uh, a collaborative culture. They're able to deploy capital, right? So raise it, deploy it. Yeah. They're able to persuade uh, uh, to do that, solve problems. These are the types of capabilities and muscles that you have to build as a CEO. And not everybody just wakes up <laughs> knowing how to do that. You you, you learn it over time uh, by uh, feeling, uh, experiencing lots and lots of pain. I like to say Pain is where the learning happens. You know, it's information. It's like this is what you what, what do you what do you what do you what are you learning right now? Those are the things that successful uh, uh, CEOs do. Um, I, you know, I, I I 
I had this whole list of like, you know, 15 things that people say, 15 things? Jesus. <laughs> Why not three? 15. Well, you're the CEO. <laughs> it's like, those are, those are the habits, you know, that you've got to be able to do over time to uh, achieve uh, shokunin, you know, basically is this Japanese phrase around perfecting a skill, like becoming really good over time. Now, what CEOs uh, don't do well, like the ones that are less successful that don't do well, is the opposite that, of everything that I said, right? They they don't, first of all, they don't, they don't, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like the opposite. Like, you know, they don't, they don't, uh, number one, they don't understand what the role is about. So if you're a founder and then you just took in some money and on your title, it says you're founder and CEO, a lot of founders don't really understand, like, what does that mean? But suddenly they, they feel that something has changed, right? So they hire a team and then they feel a little lost because they don't know what to do because before they did everything, right? They made the coffee, <laughs> they talked to the customer, they built the product. Um, and, and it's very, very difficult for them to start to let go. What they don't understand is in, in, in letting go is when your growth begins. Like when you let go of like the, 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 the reins of the business and you, you, you move into a role where you're sort of a player coach. You get brought into when, you know into situations where you're needed, but then you're sort of really relying and trusting on the team that you've built to solve problems, execute, and and even I sometimes are, you know I'm like wait a second I, I shouldn't be in this meeting like they can handle it and then they bring me in when it's acute and you know they need I, I need to give them some advice and then what you learn is as the 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 business changes in its its size and dynamic the role that you and the team plays changes over time so it's not sort of like you build a team and it's fixed and then you know whatever you, you know what, what you what you should be doing right now and how you should be approaching the business is also fixed no it changes because as the business grows just like a if you're if, if, if you have kids <laughs> you know how you how you engage with them changes as they get bigger right it's the same thing with a company uh and sometimes a company is doing great it's growing but invariably the company will hit a snag and if you don't approach that snag the right way, you can you can enter a death spiral. You can just basically start to like, you know, get into a point where the company could die. And your your whole um, opportunity as a CEO is to is to marshal the team to learn as much as possible in this crisis situation to turn the ship up and keep growing into the next phase. And that takes a evolution of the person, the leader, the leadership team, all of that uh, over a long period of time. Those are the two sort of dichotomies of the role, of, in my opinion. What is the one thing John Belazare does, and maybe it's not the same thing you did when you were starting out, you know, pitching Lego blocks to finance companies, and here you are now globetrotting across yeah. the world solving uh, energy problems. What's mm. the one thing that John Belazare has always gone back to when faced with, as you alluded to, crisis or strife? I guess it's two things. One is um, I try to stay. I try to stay out of out of my head. And the way to do that, you know, we were talking about lifting weights and stuff. I go to exercise, staying in shape. You know, it reduces the stress level levels and the voices in your mind and and, and anxiety, such that you can process things and. Uh, during the pan pandemic, I added a new habit, which is now my go-to, and it's and it's a it's a very simple thing actually that I have found to be incredibly helpful. And that is um, uh, every day I uh, uh, journal and I write down three things. Um, one is a rose, and it's something that I'm uh, 
grateful for, I think was a positive thing that happened yesterday or this week, you know, um, and I'm just uh, appreciating the fact that, you know, again, success is, is, is built one step at a time, 1% actually at a time. So people don't understand, the, you know, compounded interest, like, you know, you can just keep compounding little successes to create a lot of momentum. Uh, the second is a, is a thorn. So that's something that's hard that I'm dealing with right now. And sometimes it'll be a couple of sentences. Sometimes I write a whole paragraph and it's really because, I mean, you know, maybe like half a page, you know, uh, and it's really just like, it, it's, it's the conversation that's happening in my head. I'm like bringing it out so I can process it. Like what is, what's really going on right now? That, that, that anxiety, that fear that I'm feeling like, what, 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 it, what is it? You know, it's usually, um, I have found personally just that fear of failure. Like, you know, am I failing as a, as a, as a leader? what is my role in what's going on right now in this crisis or this challenge? Like, did I, you know, could I have done something different and what am I going to do next? You know? So that's a, that's the thorn. Um, uh, or it's just, damn, my kid is, my kid is, uh, my kid is sick <laughs> this week and now I'm sick. I'm not going to get any sleep. This sucks. <laughs> you know, it's something like that. And then the last one is, is a, is a bud. Uh, and that is like what I'm looking forward to. Like it could be something I'm looking forward to tomorrow, looking forward to the, you know, the, the, the next week, uh, looking forward to this year. What, what, what are positive things that I should really focus on and also be grateful for that are coming up ahead? It could be like a big presentation I'm making to a power plant leader. It could be this podcast, you know, that I'm going to, you know, be a great end into my week. Uh, so Rose Thornbud is, is a great new thing that I now come back to because it encompasses everything. I think that, again, that lonely role of CEO is about sort of working on yourself. So I have to ask you, being a you know New York bred gentleman yourself, give uh -huh. me your top rat group of all time. Uh, it's got to be Run DMC. Oh! That, that, was, that, was, that was when I was that was, when I was when I was growing up. You know, wearing my shell top, <laughs> Adidas, and getting robbed. But uh, <laughs> I put them on, and the next day I had no shoes. I don't know what happened, but my head was hurting. <laughs> Uh, look, 2022 is, is is coming to a close, uh, and again, with what's going, you 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 know, you alluded to Russia, Ukraine. We, of course, you know, we got recession fears, we've got inflation going on, but at the same time, too, there is kind of like this underlying feel that for folks that are in the energy space, look, it's it's full systems go right. I mean, it's a rocket ship uh, right now, mm. no pun intended. What's kind yeah. of on the, you know, look, obviously I know you you and Saloon aren't going anywhere anytime soon, and you guys are are, are building that brand and continue to grow it. What's on the horizon for John Belazare and Saluna? And are, is there any other projects that, you know, might be on your list right now? But Or is it just, you know, like you said, discipline, stay focused on Saluna? Yeah, absolutely. We, 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 are not, uh, we are not detracted from our focus by shiny objects. But we do, we do create ancillary businesses that make sense. For example, we're finding that uh, we're, we've become really good at building and operating our data centers. And as the industry, especially the crypto space, goes through lots of turmoil, there seems to be a need for uh, services and operating companies to take over and manage some of those facilities in a, in a much more robust way. The technology we've, we've built allows us to build more facilities for people. So we, we see sort of a, uh, a global services arm sort of evolving as part of our, our offering. That's just an extension of, of our expertise. And then the other is is uh, diversifying away from the uh, uh, 
the the crypto side of our business to other types of compute. And we've been talking to a number of of institutions to pilot our uh, GPU platforms for doing really advanced analytics and 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 big big iron, uh, if you will, uh, calculations on our machines as a way to move into what we call phase two of our business. We've always designed our facility, our, our whole business plan to go crypto as a bootstrapping and then evolve into phase two, which is a much broader uh, uh, diversified computing fabric. So that's, that's what's in, in the horizon for us. We see also, um, I, I've been talking a lot about uh, working with existing plants that have wasted energy. You'd be surprised, but we uh, get lots of, companies, big infrastructure companies talking to us about, would you build your data center at the same time we're building our power plant? So greenfield operation from the ground up being integrated such that they already have this solution embedded from day one. So if they build a plant, it looks like they're not going to have a lot of curtailment. Then suddenly lots of other plants get built around them. Now a lot of transmission, this problem comes into play. All of a sudden, boom, you know, they need this solution uh, that's something that is 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 very exciting for us, and and with all of this new investment, that's going to be huge. So, as you can see, those are all natural evolution or extensions to our core business. Not some random, you know. I I wouldn't say we're going to build batteries, <laughs> you know, something completely, you know, off the reservation. Thank you so much for that, Mr. John Belazar. You can catch all of the Power Connect episodes over at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and of course on the website, thepowerconnect.net. Don't forget our podcast partner, Inawatts, the webinar coming up on November 10th, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central, finding a rhythm, forecasting and innovating in a renewable age. All things short-term, long-term forecasting. What are the resources available? Check it out. Sign up today. Go to innowads.com and or follow us on the LinkedIn page to learn more about it and sign up today. You've got about a week left to do that. And hey, you might recognize the guy that's doing the moderation. Look, we've got some great shows coming up. I told you already at the beginning of the show, we've got content out the gills. Uh, Neil Dykeman, very excited to talk to him from Energy Transition Ventures. Jaime Diaz, running for Railroad Commissioner. That thing's coming to an end here pretty soon as well. Had a great conversation with him. He stopped by the Innowatt Studios to talk about what uh, what his campaign's been like, and of course, uh, he's got a little experience in the political realm, but of course, uh, he's fighting an uphill battle. We'll talk to him about that. Brad Wills from Schneider Electric, Buck Martinez, Harold Overholm from Alight, Sid Kitson, just to name a few. So we've got a who's who in the energy space that we're excited to talk to and of course i know you folks are excited to hear about it as well be sure to follow me over on linkedin fred davis and of course follow the power connect as well and if you want to be either a podcast partner and or a guest just reach out it's that simple either on linkedin or give me a shout on email fred at thepowerconnect.net want to thank the entire audience the listeners the guests and of course all my folks over at innowatts as well without you guys doing what you do we couldn't do what we do. This has been the Power Connect Podcast, connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time. Wake up, all the builders, time to build a new land. I know we could do it if we all lend a hand. The only thing we have to do.